One thing the nation has learned in helping Ukraine fight Russia is how fragile our defense industrial supply base really is. From Javelin missiles to major platforms, in a conflict, the U.S. would run out in days or weeks. And then what? For some fix-it ideas, we turn to the executive director of the Center for Government Contracting at George Mason University, Jerry McGinn. Jerry, I guess we should start with the idea that uh, maybe the Ukraine situation has shown us something in stark reality that people might have known of but didn't really pay that much attention to. That's correct, Tom. It's great to be back with you. The fact of the matter is, is we just don't have enough industrial base capacity for the challenges facing us today. And this is, as you, as you allude to, has been known for some time, but the Ukraine situation shows in stark reality that, I mean, if we're supporting um, allies uh, and partners in, in a conflict and that depletes our armaments and munitions stockpiles, that really is very problematic for a major contingency in, impacting our forces. And just an operational question. I mean, there are stockpiles of everything from, you know, 9 millimeter handgun ammo to missiles and javelins and so forth. A lot of that is used in practice and training, correct? So is there a constant replenishment to keep it at a sort of ever normal level in Yes, there is. I mean, and a lot of in training, they use training rounds in general, so that they use less of the high explosives that you would use actually in combat. Or they do the, do those once in a while. But the the challenge has been is look in the pitch and yaw of how we procure munitions year over year. The change in how many munitions of different types we buy changes as much as 50%. So can you imagine if you're running a government program or if you're an industry, if you're trying to produce these weapons, you know, this kind of, you know, whipsaw year to year, you just cannot, that's not one rate on a railroad, and um, that's something that needs to be addressed. And is there a certain level that they need or that they feel there should be in the stockpile at a given time? And does the stuff go stale such that you have to rotate it yeah. periodically? Yeah, there is. That, there absolutely is that. You can't. You can only stockpile for so long. So uh, you know, I, essentially, we just need to um, start pr- producing more in a number of different ways. And this is, goes beyond munitions. It goes to even end items. You know, we we produce uh, F-35s. You know, the uh, the fighter jets and and the someday and, they may work. Yes, <laughs> that's true. But you know, they're producing them as quickly as they can. But still, it's not enough. You know. It, if you, if you look at the models of unclassified models of scenarios in major conflict, I mean, those, you know, we would lose half or more of our um, fighter jets, in, you know, in a couple of weeks, you know, because of the the, uh, the modeling. So we don't have enough ready kind of systems to uh, for major contingencies. That's and using clear. a platform like that, say, as an example, an average budget might say, well, this year you can add 300 F-35s mm-hmm. or sometimes yep. it's 600, sometimes they pause it. Mm-hmm. But say, just for purposes of argument 500 they're authorized to to buy in a given fiscal year how long does it actually take to make those 500 it takes a while they're producing i think right now don't quote me but it's in the kind of the 170 per year and that's a full rate production you've got three final assembly and checkout locations around the world one in japan one in italy and then one in fort worth and they're producing the maximum they can so to raise that you have to add a production line which is is going to take some time yeah so it seems like there's a mismatch between acquisition and supply philosophy and the reality of what would happen if say a straits of taiwan conflict actually engaged the United States. Right. If you look at it, the Undersecretary of Defense for Acquisition and Sustainment, Dr. Bill LaPlante, recently stated this. It's like, you know, during the kind of late 80s, we were spending 7% of GDP on defense. We're spending about 3% now. 
right? So when you have that, that, that puts it in stark reality. So we just don't have, and we've spent the last 20 plus years focusing on cost and efficiency to produce, you know, Lean Six Sigma and so on. So we're producing the best systems, just enough to meet the program needs, but then that's it, right? So you try to, when you try to squeeze that much, then if you want to increase capacity, it's harder to do. So we're not producing enough, and that has to be increased across the board. But it's not just system, but it's also like how we fight. So the, the, another thing I talk about in my piece is, is the importance of like, how do we partner platforms with unmanned systems, like uh, UUVs, underwater unmanned vehicles, UAVs, and so on. So how do you partner them at F-35 with with, with unmanned aircraft and likewise with subs and so on. So these are the kind of ways you can get more capability um, um, using kind of uh, more treadable systems. We're speaking with Jerry McGinn. He's executive director for the Center for Government Contracting at George Mason University. And, of course, the bigger the platform, the more kind of sclerotic it really is. I mean, you look at carriers as the ultimate platform. It takes 20 years from keeling to when you can actually put it into service. And it's hard to believe this is the same nation. I mean, we built 14,000 B-24 bombers and about 12,000 B-17 bombers just in the space of three and a half or four years in right. World War II. Do you envision that kind of capacity ever be needing? I mean, is that... It's a, it's a great point, Tom. And there's people talk about, you know, rebuilding the quote-unquote America's arsenal, you know. So so we go back to the Liberty ships and these kind of, you know, tremendous capabilities. I don't quite see that, but what I, what I recommend is that we relook the model of the MRAP, the mine-resistant anti-personnel vehicle from the Gulf War. Then Secretary of Defense uh, Bob Gates said, is like, listen, I want survivable vehicles. I need multiple produced and I need to buy this time. And so the requirements were much less and there were multiple producers. It cost money, but you produced more, you had multiple producers, so you had a much more lively industrial base, and then they delivered and it saved lives. We're going to have to go to that kind of model where we kind of start producing multiple systems or ways that you can produce multiple systems so we have the industrial base that we need to support it. Because right now we are not there. Yes, because I guess the philosophy has been fewer but really smart and therefore survivable and that will take care of us. But there's also a certain power in simply mass, isn't there? Yeah, there is. I mean, we, we definitely have the capabilities. That's been our focus. But capacity is uh, is in and of itself really important, um, and we, we do not have it. This, as China, is doing large volumes of pretty much everything. Yeah, that's correct. I mean, that that's where, the, you know, the pacing threat and, you know, to be able to face that, you know, and the logistical hurdles and so on, we, we just have to have more capacity to be able to address that threat. And let's talk about procurement for a moment. There was the 809 commission, and some of those things have been followed. Some of them are still on the shelf. Then there's the whole budgeting, planning program execution yep. review and there's some recommendations out on that mm-hmm. but the Pentagon's got to move quickly that's correct. And some of these I mean, things and can't take 10 years for reform. Right. That's correct. I mean, and I think some of this, you know, th- there are pieces here and there. Like like you say, budget reform needs to happen because right now it's two and a half years from the time of an idea until you can actually start executing. You know, we've got to be able to, to condense that in certain areas. Uh, you've got to be able to, um, uh, you know, ac- acquire systems when you need them at time to need and, and not, you know, and not have detailed requirements where you spend two and a half years developing the exact right thing. We need to be able to iterate, you know, field, iterate, field, test, 
iterate and, and execute. So we just have to be do more of that. And th these things are starting to happen, but we just need them to accelerate and be more on the scale that we need to, the, the threats we face. And then we're having kind of an environmental crisis of affordability because the gross domestic product is going to be smaller than the debt pretty yeah. soon. Does that figure into this at all? You know, it does in a certain sense of prioritization, right? You know, half of discretionary spending is is uh, is defense. But as you, as you allude to, the, the, the amount of discretionary spend is decreasing. That, that piece of the pie is not what it was in the 60s, 70s, and 80s because of debt and because of um, we're, you know, the deficit spending. So, and 5,000 uh, people a day coming onto Social Security. Yeah, yeah. So uh, it, it, uh, it, does, it, it makes it harder, but the, the threat is, is as strong or stronger than it, than it um, has been. And you know, that was really kind of closely seen by what um, uh, Mr. Putin did in, in Ukraine. And, uh, you know, then we, and then for us, it's you know, the challenge in Taiwan and, and other places. One of the points that you make, too, is by allied, that is to say, you know, some of these NATO nations could step up a lot more than they have, even in the Ukraine situation. Yeah, no, I, I think the, the part, part of um, there's been a focus on increasing manufacturing industrial base capacity in the U.S. and that's been really good. The, the challenge is, you know, is that we can't do it all here, um, and we, you know, and some comp countries or have a competitive advantage in terms of mining or whatever capabilities. So we should really embrace that and work with our close partners and allies, the the Brits, the Aussies, the Japanese, and so on. And um, you know, we're already producing some systems with them you know the f-35 is one of them you know it's like i said it's being produced and delivered in japan and italy more of that will, will help all you know help our, our partisan allies because you know because if we start producing let's say you know, unmanned systems and submarines in, in australia you know australia is one of our closest partners and that is in and of itself a threat to um to say something to the chinese so so there you're getting you, you if we do things as we build as an allied kind of uh, build as a, as an approach you know we get more kind of benefit for for us for the united states as for well as for our partners by kind of working across with uh, those those countries too bad putin didn't invade france that would have woken everybody up huh yeah that uh, well i mean yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> Don't go there today. Yeah, yeah. All right. Jerry McGinn, executive director for the Center for Government Contracting at George Mason. Thanks so much. Great. Thanks, Tom. 57 past the hour. This is The Federal Drive with Tom Temin. For the latest updates, stay with federalnewsnetwork.com or follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn.